My mom is really sick. She's been over-medicated. She had cancer. She had a nervous breakdown. She broke her hip. I mean, she went, she's going through it, man. And so in the current moment, she's a shell of who she was. For me, you know, having all these incredible tools and just a big, massive open heart, I want nothing more than to, to heal my mom. Welcome to the New Age Sage podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Wayne Barkis. You're going to love today's episode. We get super deep and vulnerable, which is good to see men do nowadays. Please like and subscribe and leave a review. I love you. Thank you. Welcome on the show. Thank you. How's Happy going? to be here, man. Thank you very much. Um, so I want to start with uh, some of the men's work you do and talk yeah. about kind of sacred sons and what that's about. And For sure. More so the importance of male connection nowadays. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I was in a spot where I was going through like the dark night of the soul mm -hmm. and it was post-divorce for me and my entire tribe of men, you know, they all were fathers and they were all going to the soccer games and, and doing the, doing the dad thing. And the support structure that I had was lacking mm -hmm. deeply. And the group that I had of men at that time could only take me so far. And they did their best. I'm appreciative mm -hmm. of the conversations that we had, um, but I also was recognizing that they didn't have the emotional capability to hold the stuff that I was going through. And so I went to a therapist and uh, that, was, uh, that wasn't it for me. Yeah. Um, I just felt like I was talking to a wall. I didn't really feel seen or heard. And it kind of felt uh, like my childhood. Yeah. And I was like, why is this, is this it? Um, and fortunately, you know, I had no Instagram knowledge or no social mm -hmm. media. I'm, I'm a blue collar guy from Chicago and I was in the construction world. And in that industry, the conversation of men and depth, mm -hmm. it's non-existent yeah. whatsoever. So my partner pointed out this group uh, called the Sacred Sons, and she said, you know, take a look at them. And for me, it, these guys look like wild men. And they, you know, they were, they were banging on drums and they were dancing around the fire. And something inside of me on like a soul level just spoke to me that yeah. I was supposed to go to the mountains. I was supposed to experience this group and, and see what it's all about. And that was four years ago. And I can say profoundly, um, that call and, and that um, moving forward into it has absolutely changed my life forever. What was the key difference in your healing process? Why was it so much harder to truly heal with the old male friends? And why was it so much more liberating with the new ones in, yeah, that, in that group? That's a great question. Uh, I had multiple addictions okay. at that point. I was um, a binge drinker more so on the weekends, but I would drink so hard I would black out. Yeah. Um, I loved cocaine and I didn't really tell anybody about it. It was like a closet cocaine habit. And so I was really riddled with addictions and anxiety and, and pain. And the guys in, in the group kind of didn't know anything else but to go to the bars and, and get drunk yeah. and hang out. And so it was like that was their medicine. So they almost cheerleaded it and, and supported it by not yeah. holding me to a different level of integrity. Yeah. Then when I went to the sons and I expressed this, like, I just, it does, it's not working. 
Like I've tried it, I'm doing it, it's not working, I feel horrific. They were able to call out a better version of myself, but also not judge me. It was like, I see you, I see what you're going through, we understand. And what does it look like for this new version of you to evolve? And how can we support you in it? And I would get check-ins. I would get video messages of like praise and love for my journey. All the things that I was missing from a group that was um, simply living their lives. Yeah. And then I was coming to them and they just couldn't hold it. So how did that heal your addiction itself? I'm a, I'm a former drug addict. So I'm always sure. curious about each person's different journey. How did that... Yeah. That support and love from from men. How did that actually fix the addiction itself, or was it a piece of it? Like, what was the? Yeah. Well, I think the the biggest uh, the root of the addiction for me was that I didn't feel that I belonged okay. anywhere, and for the first time in my life, I felt that I belonged. As is, like like falling apart, um, addiction, a mess. Even in that, I felt that I belonged, and. Um, I felt loved, like for the first time, I felt a deep love um, for who I was and that it was okay. And so I started my journey with Atomic Habits and that book really rocked me because it gave me kind of the framework of breaking my habits and then habit swapping. And so there was two particular brothers that I made a commitment with uh, for 66 days because, you know, what I read in the book is it takes 66 days for automaticity in our brain for a new habit, just like autopilot, you know, pulling off uh, the road, not even thinking about it, you know, yeah. just turning the wheel. So I wanted to get to that point, um, but I knew that I was going to need some support. And so two particular men in the Sacred Sons just vowed to be there for check-ins daily and offer me that, you know, support. And because I didn't feel alone in it, I was able to get through it. And there was a couple heavy days where I was just like, oh, no, I just want to go and grab that cigarette or, oh, you know, everybody's out drinking and I feel so alone and, and they FaceTime me and we yeah. just sat in it and, and I was able to move through it. Yeah, I think what you're discussing is finding a way to bypass the shame. Totally. Right? And in that is just is having people see you and love you wherever you're at. The shame is just eradicated. I think that's the key for me was was losing that shame. How, how, as, a, as a coach of men, how do you notice that that male shame coming up? Mm. And how can men or anyone uh, learn to bypass that shame? Mm. Yeah, well, for me, uh, vulnerability and, and actually just taking off the mask of the presentation was it for me. Um, as soon as I was able to reveal the truth of who I was and be accepted for it and continue to share that and, and reframe the narrative of like, I'm broken or I'm a fuck up. It was just like, no, this is just a version of me that needs to die uh, to allow who I'm naturally born to be to come through. And once I took the mask off and started to reveal, like, I had this addiction, this thing was there, this issue was there, this bypassing and this looking away from it was all there, I felt free. I didn't feel like I had to put this presentation or this act on for my family, for my friends. It was like, you might not get it, but this is actually who I am and what I'm going through. Yeah. And I just found absolute freedom. Yeah. in in removing that mask that I was presenting to the world. Yeah, it's uh, always crazy to hear how, I want to go back into your, your beginning a little bit, going from blue-collar Chicago man yeah. all the way to the radically opposite person you are now, and actually yeah. how you needed that break. You needed mm. that, like, severe, mm. 
beating from the universe in a way to discover your 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 true identity. Yeah, yeah, and I'm. I'll just say I'm so grateful for the break. Um, I wouldn't have had it any other way. You know, born and raised in Chicago, um, very hardworking father who was emotionally absent. Um, while he loved me a lot and I could always feel his love, I could never see or read him what he was going through until he started to drink. And then when he started to drink all the anger and the bitterness and resentment in in his marriage and his life would bubble up to the surface and it would just be a, an explosion. So I watched that because as little boys, we you know have this model of what it's like to be a man. And so for me, what it was to be a man was to be extremely stoic, mm -hmm. to not share, to not show, and to also then be okay booze boozing it up yeah. and exploding and also his relationship to the feminine was really distorted um, his mom passed when he was 17 so he had a real deep hurt there and he was trying to heal it through my mom but it wasn't necessarily working because my mom was bipolar okay. so there was a lot of uh, chaos in my family we moved 20 times by the time i was 17. Wow. Yeah, so um, what that ultimately did for me was it created a nervous system that was just really at home and um, comfortable in chaos. And so I sought it in everything. I sought it in drugs, I sought it in partying, and my basketball career eventually self-destructed because I was not really focused on it. I was just um, doing the reckless life, which really led me down uh, a dark path and then into construction ultimately where I found myself. I found like, oh, this feels really good. I'm, I'm quite talented. And uh, these guys in the language that they're speaking and their irreverence for women, it felt similar to me as though it didn't feel great. It also felt like this is familiar. Yeah. And so I was in the construction industry for it's been 25 years now. And the blue collar man is um, extremely hardworking, but does not share whatsoever what he's going through. And yeah. if he does, it's a blame. So what I, what I learned through the entire industry was the inability to take accountability or responsibility. If a guy was late, he would blame the traffic. He would blame this and he would blame that. And I would do that myself. So I would be late. I blame the alarm clock, yeah. and, and just these little these little things uh, kind of became ingrained in my belief system as to this is what it this is what it's like to be a man. Yeah, I want to revisit that thing you talked about with your your dad, kind of using your mom to heal something he wasn't aware of. I wanted to talk about mm. how as men we can unconsciously look to women to fix things in us that we don't want to see in ourselves, and how that kind of plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my dad clearly had um, a deep desiring for nurturing um, from a mom that was sick when he was really young. And so when he married my mom, I, I could I could tell that all, all of the red flags that may have been there um, were completely overlooked because my mom was extremely nurturing and she would praise him. And he is 83 now and he spent his entire life 
caretaking her. So essentially like caretaking, like healing um, that part that he didn't get to heal with his mom through my mom. And um, yeah, most most men in, in some capacity have this um, damage that was done with mom, whether they were invalidated or shamed or gaslit, that they end up seeking it in another partner. And, you know, the universe gives them what they need to heal it. Of course, yeah. Yeah. How, how does, what was your, what was your issues? Did you have any issues with your mom that showed up in your neuromantic life or oh, was that a different thing? It was thing? massive. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my mom uh, gaslit me for the majority of my childhood. In what way? Um, she would invalidate my experience. So if I was hurting or if I was sad or, you know, if I had a really tough day, she would immediately shut it down because she didn't have the capacity to hold my big emotions. And so she would want to shut it down. And that was really because she didn't have the capacity to move through any of her trauma or any of her stuff. So when I would come to her and say, you know, this kid, he said this to me or whatever. And it was just like, shh, 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 you know, like it's, it's, it's all okay. Don't worry about it. And it was like, does it even matter? Does, does my stuff matter? And I essentially attracted a wife who was identical. Um, my entire experience, I had a 14 year marriage. And my reality was so um, distorted because every time I would present or reveal my heart to her, she would basically dismiss it or package it up and say, you're crazy. And so I began to think that I was crazy. I thought I was crazy for feeling this thing in my heart. I thought I was crazy for desiring more love or nurturing or more affection or attention. All the things that were deep needs for me, every time I would express them, it was like, how dare you? I'm doing the best I can. And so um, that completely exploded. But I couldn't see in my partner at that time what what was a childhood. What did it take in that relationship for you to realize what was going on and break through? I didn't, essentially. Um, she ended up having an affair uh, because uh, at some point I was so depleted from overgiving. I was just an absolute people pleaser, um, would give of myself to 150%. And I was depressed. I was exhausted and I was depressed and my heart had completely shut down and she could feel it and so she just went to get her fix elsewhere yep. and that gave me the opportunity to finally for the first time in my life at 36 years old be with myself and have this space to get to know who i was versus all of the things that i had accumulated um and and so it was the absolute greatest gift but it had to be harsh like for me to get it and wake yeah. up yeah ha men often really struggle with heartbreak itself yes i think an unhealthy man has a hard time being present with his pain yeah i put it that way like uh, there's a difference between being present with heartbreak yeah and then using it as a vehicle to, you know, either create rationalizations of denial, yeah. um, blame women or, or do other stuff. So yeah. how did you in that moment, I'm assuming you finally got there, but what was that journey like? Like maybe going from a place of, of in other words, how did you get to a place of healthily using that heartbreak to mm -hmm. transform yourself? Yeah, well, I was in the, the depths of despair um, because I didn't feel that I was worthy of love. 
And so on day seven, I wanted to kill myself. And I pulled over the truck and um, what I was going to do is I was going to crash into oncoming traffic on the expressway. And the wheel pretty much got taken over for me just to pull over. And I just looked in the mirror and I had a little conversation with God and just said, please show me love. Like, you I, really, were you spiritual at that point? Or was that just... A, I grew up very religious okay. in a Christian home. So I had a understanding, but never experiential. Was that your first like, real like... Uh... That, was my, that was my cry. That okay. was my cry. Like if there is a God, if, if you exist and you care please like give me a sign and i just I, I asked for a sign and there was just a deep overwhelming sense of peace and joy that came from from that conversation that simply said you are love like mm -hmm. i love you you are love do not do this and it, I was just, I was, sh I was shaking right like i was just like in the car shaking what did that voice sound like it was like a like a hard man booming to you was more like a soft loving thing was it your voice what did that actually feel like in the moment it was my voice but it was very soft and yeah. and it was um it, there was a feminine nature yeah. to it 100 percent. yeah and it, it ripped through my heart and like it just it, it like rippled into my heart and i felt like grace wash over me of like all the pain that i was experiencing in the moment just dissipated yeah. and um I felt like I had a newfound opportunity to rework this and re-navigate it with, with a trust that I had yet to experience. Because yeah. I had lost trust. Um, an affair is, is trust, right? Yeah. Like I made this commitment, we had these vows, and that trust was broken. And so I, I took that upon as a representative of, of me. But the hardest thing that I had to do was to take accountability and responsibility for everything that I had created yeah. up until that point. And that was when the radical shift started to happen, where I was able to see what I was doing for my, like disconnecting from myself that created a disconnect externally with my partner and with my friends and with God. How did you not let uh, those trust issues affect your relationship now? There's a deeper sense of reverence that I have now in the support of the universe, in my devotion to God, into a higher power, that I, I feel like I have this inner dialogue that I can continue to have and, and a trust that I don't need the outcome to be a particular way. I mean, the biggest thing that I had to do was let go of feeling like I had to control the future and trust that all the right pieces and the, and, the, and the people will come into my life. And as soon as I start to cultivate that trust and surrender, the partner who I'm now with for seven years now came into my life like that. Yeah. How did you go from operating off of that need for control and things going the way you wanted to surrendering? It's, it's a long, tough thing. Oh, yeah. I'm still like maybe somewhere, yeah. somewhere in the middle because I realized that for me, when I speak intention, and I'm like, I want this to happen, yeah, right? And I, I say, okay, I'm going to surrender. What I realize is that you kind of get initiated in a way yeah. for that thing. So yeah. it's kind of being like, how do you, it's hard, how do I even surrender? 
how do you does one even surrender into the initiation mm. like, fuck man i have to go through all the healing and the yeah the different things the triggers to get to that place where i can actually re receive that so how did you yeah. actually get to that space for you now you can say I can actually surrender and live from that space. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Well, let me just close the gap to say that from that experience in the truck up until the point of surrender was a very long time. I went back into old habits. Yeah. I went back into my ego, into recreating pretty much the exact same life that I was living, always hearing this internal nudge, but just kind of shushing it. I started having quite a bit of conflict in my relationship, quite a bit. There was anger, there was unresolved issues, all of our wounds were being projected onto each other. And she got sick of it mm -hmm. and said, I'm hiring a coach. I'm going to uh, be in this space with her for six months. And I'm just asking for you for some grace and for an opportunity for me to do my thing. I'm gonna create a little altar over here. I'm gonna have some pictures and some flowers and you might hear me praying or singing. It might seem weird or woo woo to you, but I'm just gonna ask that you allow this aspect of me to unfold. And so what I was able to witness was just a deep softening in my girlfriend and a reverence for nature, for beauty, for God, a respect that she had for herself that I had yet to have cultivated. I had never slowed down, Lucas, in, in 30 years. I was 60, 70 hours a day going to the gym, double dosing on Red Bulls before the gym. I was in full blown like chaos mode. Yeah. And for the first time I was able to witness what it looked to see like a softening of the heart and the beauty of the feminine in a way that I had never experienced in my entire life. And it was attractive. It was juicy and it was beautiful. So she, she essentially became the invitation for me to ask her and what are you doing? Like she stopped being reactive. All of the angry stuff that we used to like fight about with my ex-wife, she just shut it down and was like, I'm not here for that. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll hold space for you while you're going through it, but I'm not giving any suggestions or getting into yeah. it anymore. So I meditated for the first time in my life. I sat in a room, lit a candle, closed my eyes. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I committed to it for 21 days. I said, just let me see what's on the other side yeah. of this, this thing. Cause I'm seeing it with her. And then I started, you know, Googling like meditation is great for stress. It's great for anxiety. Okay, cool. Like all that stuff sounds good. I need that. Um, and on day three, I just started to cry and I just felt this this amazing connection to something that I had never experienced in myself, just a peace that was always there. Yeah. And from that point on, I started seeing um, some really bizarre things, like a lot of different angel numbers. I started to, to hear this intuitive voice that would tell me to do this or go that direction or read this book. And it was like, all these dots started to connect on the journey that I just got to the point where I was like, what if I just sit back and enjoy this ride? And like, because I'd lost everything, like yeah. the house, the, you know, the cars, literally every single possession that I had, I, it was gone. So I knew what it was like to be without and then actually felt freeing. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a dope spot to be in. I feel less pressure. So what would it be like for me just to really surrender and trust to God that that voice that pulled me over in the car has got my back? And 
there's been so many moments where I felt fear. Like, what if I show up on social media and say this and that person, you know, rejects me? Or what I what if I get this and and, and then it would cause some contraction. But then what I recognized is every time I showed up as who I was and and my actual authentic self and just be okay being okay, be okay with the rejection, be okay with whatever the projections are that are on me. Am I okay with who I am? Am I a man that's in integrity? Yes. And so once I really started to dial in what integrity meant for me, I was able to really surrender and trust that I'm like a a radio transmitter for the universe to attract all of the beautiful situations in my life. And it's been nothing but that, even up until this moment with you, for me to have been where I was seven years ago, pulled over in a car to now have this conversation with yeah. you tells me that this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. What does it take to get to that place where you feel like you can have pronoia, where the universe is working for you, not against you? Yeah. What are the steps it takes for one to get to that spot? Like how, is it nervous system stuff? Like how can one actually get to a space where they can truly be in that space yeah. of, of, like you said, sitting back? And mm. and also what's tough is how do you sit back while, how do you use the energy of sitting back and receiving while also doing things you know you have to do? It? Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Uh, nervous system work was the first and primary thing for me. I started doing different breath work modalities. Uh, I kind of got hooked on breath of fire. I made a commitment to breath of fire for 365 days. Mm -hmm. I was like, what would it be like for me? Because after this point, I had done the meditation and I was like, that was pretty cool. What would it be like if I made a deeper commitment for a year for breath of fire, which really recalibrates the system? So I did it for a year. And that decision made such a profound impact along the way where as the arrows were getting shot at me from anywhere, from work, from the X, anything that would come at me, rather than being reactive, I was able to sit in and be like, ha, ah, okay, like, I'm just not going to respond to this one. Or I will in 72 hours. I'll come back when I'm in a better frame of reference. But I was able to see what was coming up for me to reveal to me what was still in there. Yeah. And then I kept creating mm -hmm. space, creating space. And the more space that I created and the more devotion that I was to my practice, the more that I was able to feel peace at whatever would come at me. And second fold was prayer. Um, I'm a, my mom was a prayer warrior growing up. So I really feel that she instilled in me the power of prayer. And when I pray and when I pray for others, I feel this interconnectedness with everybody because as a, as a former people pleaser, man, I love helping. I love showing up for people, but I also know that I can't surrender my health and well-being to continue to help people. And so prayer for me has been a powerful way of, of me feeling like I can, I can still offer something up to the universe, words or vibrations. Let me put that out there and pray that that makes its way into that person's life in one way or another. That's been a really powerful thing for me. Um, What's your, what does your prayer process look like? I, I pray every morning with tea. Um, so I sit with my partner for tea, um, and we have about an hour, hour and a half long tea practice. And um, so I'll just sit and hold my cup, and I'll just hold hold a prayer 
um, with each cup. We do about seven cups, man. So there's a lot of prayers being lifted. Um, and then prior to bed as well, I I have a, a, a lengthy self-care routine in, in the tea and in the prayer, but then also in the physical body as well. So it's, you know, I like to do spiritual and physical practice. And at night, it's the same. So at night, we'll close the evening with tea and also lift up my prayers there. And then I'll do a little bit of meditation prior to bed. And in that space, I just uh, sit and see how I want you know, my future to unfold as I create it. Let's go back to the nervous system. So what, what are ways people can start? Because I know my journey, but my journey may be different. Um, but people right now are just so jacked up. Big like, time. Like just truly jacked up. So yeah. what, what are things people can start doing to start uh, living in that space? For me, I say, for me, the first step, maybe you disagree or agree, is learning to connect with how much better it feels to not be jacked up. Yeah. Like yeah. You just start you start realizing like fuck man there's someone there's a way better way of living yeah and being so like oh yeah that intuitive feeling of like this isn't good for me yeah starts pulling you towards that side so that's always step one for me but i'm curious to hear like what's if new client they're jacked up all the time like how do you go about yeah that's a beautiful question in fact it's not the doing for me as much as the subtraction because i think what happens in the personal development community is there's massive overwhelm of how much stuff that I need to do. I need to do this breath of fire. I need to do this thing. But that stuff compounded with the shit habits that people already have, it it actually can exasperate the the results. So the first thing I do is I take a look at somebody's diet. What what, yeah. what are you up to? What are you ingesting? You know, pull coffee, like zip that out of your routine to try to give your nervous system a reset. Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough rest? What kind of foods are you eating? Because fast food and processed food is gonna wreak havoc on your digestion and, and how you feel ultimately. So for me, it's really like going back to plants and and really clearing and cleaning up the diet first to then create space for a new routine like i like to do subtraction and let's hone in on that and then we can start adding some things in and it could be as simple as a box breath but really it's the commitment to it so there's there's the discipline of like, let's make this a daily practice as much as you can, even if it's two minutes a day, to feel what it's like to do a box breath, to recognize that you had the capacity to get yourself to that space. And it only took two minutes. How do you feel after box breath? I feel good. Okay, well, let's pull that in a little bit more. Maybe we'll do it three times a day. So yeah, yeah, really holistically through food and, and clearing this vessel, And then I like to amplify the breath work because I'm a practitioner for somatic release. So we'll start very slow, get them used to it, and then get into a lot of the deeper stuff so that we can clear the stuck and closed, all all the loops of emotions, the anger, the person that cuts you off, the person that screwed you over, all those things are just stuck and stored in the body. I love your point of the gut because for me, I did three months where i did i think a two-hour somatic release every okay. week for three yeah. months. beautiful um which was a game changer for me because mm-hmm. i was under the impression of of like you know i'm in therapy you sure know, i thought it was just like you speak certain things you you have different thoughts and then of sure. course i was like man i'm being a fucking dumbass it's, it's doing nothing it's all it's all my body yeah so i started doing that in that my it was just like my stomach which is mm-hmm. like it, i was always eating clean but sure through doing that my the all these like knots in my stomach these yeah. digestive issues like all, they're not always they're not completely gone now but it's yeah. like 80 better 
Big just time. from just from uh, somatic release. So it's interesting that you're yeah. pointing, pointing to the gut. I actually had someone I was doing. I had a practitioner who was like pressing, pressing points in my gut. Those like yeah. always release some kind of emotion. So yeah, what's your take on that? Like how we can store like certain like trapped emotions in our gut. Like what's that oh, deal yeah. for in terms of somatic release? Yeah, I mean, um, I I just I haven't experienced anything um, to date that has the capacity to get to these stuck and stored emotions to release as quickly as somatic release. I mean, I was just at a a retreat, four hundred forty four men, where I got to wow. witness forty men. Not to cut you off, but just yeah. so that people know, what is what is somatic release like? Most, Us, well, yeah. somatic release is um, it's it's a breathwork routine, and there's a lot of breathworks out there. So I don't want to say it's comparable to a Wim Hof or something like that, but it has essentially all of these breathwork routines have the same intention, which is we're going to um, increase the amount of breath that we do to turn on the part of our nervous system that goes into fight or flight. So it's this dysregulated part of our body that we hold and store all these emotions. So it's kind of like this chaotical place that we take ourselves into with the breath with the intention to release and move it through sounds, through words, through screaming, um, through shaking, um, to get the energy out. And then there's typically cycles and songs and breath holds and it's a deeply cathartic process for people. And some um, have a really tough time accessing because they don't feel safe yet in their body. They don't want to lose control. Their ego is telling them. And, you know, we we instruct them and guide them. And with, with hands and movement, as you were, you know, kind of touched, sometimes it's great to have, you know, somebody guiding, like... <laughs> breathe right here and it's like oh okay let me draw my attention back here yeah. out of the fear and into that space how do you, it's a fine line i've noticed and how do you not go too deep on people who aren't ready to go that deep yeah i mean that's a great question i think the very definition of trauma is too much too soon and so i think you know the practitioner with all with all of these modalities like the practitioner has to have discernment experience and knowledge to not have their agenda to want to heal or fix this person in a one yeah. and done. I always say that this is like a lifetime process with all of these things. We don't just get to go to a retreat over the weekend and clear our entire, you know, DNA line of all of our shit. Like this is like, take it slow, pace yourself. The breath is the pedal. So if we're feeling like we're hitting the gas too much and I can see it, I can see some people are like, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, you're, you're going to pop off into a yeah. space that I'm not even prepared for. Yeah. Let's let's take it down a notch. So it really it's the um, the practitioner who's hosting the experience has to have the discernment. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I overdid it once when <laughs> recently after my, my mom passed away, it was like a, five days after I was like, yeah, I was getting cocky. I was like, man, I want to be free of this shit. I just sure. want to like uh, be back in my zone so I can work properly. And I was with my, yeah. with my practitioner. I was like, but we're going fucking deep today. Yeah. Like. Uh, I'm going to go like you know, David Goggins mode, just yeah. fucking, like two hours straight. I'm, I'm going to go for two hours straight. Yeah. Awful. Like I, I literally, yeah. I think actually, I don't know if it helped or destroyed me, but I, I fully, I recorded it. I was fully like, like I, I thought I was dying. I, mean, yeah. I had a full blown, mm. the strongest ego death I've had, mm. as strong as, as psychedelics. Yeah. And I was just not fucking ready for it at yeah. all. Yeah. Well, I like to say <laughs> that grief has no timeline yeah. and, and like to really like create space for it. Um, sometimes can be extremely beneficial and, and just yeah. you doing that and acknowledging that, you know, 
like big ups for you going in there and also like recognizing that this this can creep back like you know that that's a big loss man yeah. like and and so i can feel like how hard that must have been and still is for you to you know have this this space in your life where um that void doesn't get filled right and so it's kind of like shifting it into reverence of like I, i'm so appreciative of what i had yeah. and i don't want to hold this anymore yeah well a big thing for me was the opposite to your experience where your partner invited you to start softening mm. for me the absence mm. invited me to soften yeah where uh when my mom passed i projected like that softening to my girlfriend mm. i like it was i didn't realize that it was unconscious but i was like my ex-girlfriend mm. i was like uh i kind of was dependent on her and attached to her to soften me you know i'd work all day be in the gym sure you know doing all the bro stuff and i go home to her she was there all sweet and and, and uh mm. like feminine and surrendering i was just like mm -hmm. i need some of that juice unconsciously sure. yeah and then we split up in that moment i was like fuck like i realized i have just i have not been able to soften myself mm. For so long in the absence, I was given the gift of being, of, of still, still figuring it out, but yeah. how can I soften myself? Yeah. So to go to you now, it's uh, why is it so hard for men to give themselves that softening? Mm. And what are ways to do it without, without needing a female partner? Or if you're a, a woman, a masculine woman needing a more feminine partner, yeah. how do we not project outward our need for softening? Yeah. To do it for oh, ourselves. Man. Great question. Uh, so the first thing that comes through is that, you know, most men don't get a toolkit as to how to be a man. And whatever the toolkit is, it's handed to us. Incorrect too, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. handed by our father, it's handed by grandfather. Rambo, like so. Yeah, and it's shit. Like yeah. it's it's shit. Like it's it's, you know, don't don't feel, don't look at that, don't express. And and then there's the complete swing over that where it's like some men are just just really like emotional and you know chaotical and and so like i think the the biggest challenge for men is to understand what to do with this energy that is the feminine which is everything it's life it's 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 life giving it's, it's so powerful and so shutting it down just creates so much disease within our body the first thing that I tell men is nature, like nature is the feminine. So not only does nature give a deeper reverence for existence, but it reharmonizes and balances us. So, so many men are just doing like get shit done, but the feminine doesn't get shit done. There's no tree out there saying, hurry up and grow quicker. And there's no birds chirping faster than the other to be competitive. Like there's no competent, everything in nature has the absolute perfect harmony so i find myself and for all the men as we go on these retreats and we get away and we start to rebalance based on nature's rhythm we all feel peaceful and and so that's beautiful the other aspect is like i said in the beginning to be able to take that mask off to find a safe space where we belong where we can share who we are i think the expression of our heart is the greatest gift of the feminine uh, aspect that's within us so that we can share and that in and of itself is nervous system work just based on how the nervous system works talking is the first step to relax the nervous system so men that are in isolation they're not talking they're feeling some kind of way and they're repressing it which just creates further isolation and disconnect from their truth so expression nature and then feeling like really 
creating the space to feel these things and whatever the expression is and it could be boxing it could be dancing it could be swimming um it could be anger release um i take men through different kind of emotional uh, physical movements where it's like we're going to uh, say a prompt where we're feeling this anger and creating just this space to like go into this anger and no it's okay it's okay to be angry like anger is natural and it's a beautiful emotion but if we don't close the loop to the anger it's going to leak out into how we drive how we work how we have sex everything it's it's a felt yeah. sense so yeah creating the space to feel it has been um so great for me sometimes i don't want to feel things man sometimes yeah. i don't want to feel grief but sometimes i know that shit i, I put this off for too long i think i got to go in the nature and maybe scream yeah. uh scream to god for 10 minutes and cry and pour my heart out in a journal journaling has been just a life-changing thing mm -hmm. for me too although it sounds counterintuitive why does it lead to a higher quality of masculinity to be more feminine no, that's that's a great question because i think it's just more of who we are and so i think the balance that we get to experience when we are more true to ourselves is a man that's in integrity like uh i think the world is crying for a man that's in integrity and, and what does that look like it looks like a man that's in balance, a man that's moving forward. He's following the purpose of his heart. I mean, you had asked this, what does it look like to be, you know, soft and, and in a feminine as well? And I just, I go back to nature in that I think the, the quality of masculine energy is like lightning. It's like, it's, it's always moving forward and it's just pulsing out into infinity, but yet the feminine nature is a spider. A spider is not cruising around the jungle chasing after food. No, it weaves a web and it sits back and it waits. So I think the, the balance of the two is there's a divine trust in that I'm going to weave this web of life and I'm going to do that with my words, with my thoughts, with my character, with my actions that are in alignment with my values. And that might mean I'm going to be sober. I'm not going to speak from victim mentality. Um, I'm not going to associate myself with people that deplete me. I'm only going to hang around high vibe people. I'm going to be discernment with my judgments because they might be a reflection of who I am. All of these things that create our moral compass, that's the web that we weave. Yeah. And then we get to sit back and wait for the universe to do it and also know that we get to be the lightning to go out there and speak our truth and show up in spaces that might feel uncomfortable. And so it's like this balance where the web just gets filled. Yeah, I've also noticed that when I, I sense a truly masculine man where I've, I've had moments where I'm like, oh, I feel this power is presence, is, is male mm. presence. Why is something so simple as presence so masculine? Mm. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, most men haven't experienced the presence of their parents. Like, I think human qualities that we desire are to be seen, to be heard, and to be loved. And I think so many of us haven't experienced that in our upbringing, that when we feel somebody that's expressing, you know, the truth of their heart or their experience, and it's like, wow, this guy sees me. Like, I feel like he's with me. I feel connected to him. I feel like he's um, open to my shit. Like, he's open to who I am, but yet he's still opening his heart and cares for me. I think that's just a beautiful quality in any human. And in men, it's really lacking. Yeah. Most men are 
living in their past pain or they're in the future that that they're afraid of. And so to get a man that's like grounded in his essence and his knowing of who he is and his capacity to handle life yeah. and its storms is just it's just deeply attractive. That's a good point. I never thought about it that way that if you can tell someone has dealt with their past, is comfortable with it, and isn't afraid of the future, that's attractive. Right. They, they, I never thought about it that way, but it makes sense. Because all we got is now, right? Yeah. So, like, if you're with me right now, and, I'm, you know, when I go back to Illinois, the, the nervous systems that Illinois' pace is, like, so fast. And so I'll ask people, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm busy. I'm like, wait, are, are, you, are you busy right now? Because right now you're actually with me, and you don't feel busy, but yeah. you're projecting your future of all the things that you have to do that you created into this moment right now and you're not with me like oh okay we'll come back when you're not busy is what i'll say like i'm i'll be ready for you when you're not busy yeah. um so i think it's when when somebody receives me and they're just like hey man it's so good to see you tell me what's going on i want to hear all about it well, that's what we want as humans. Yeah. We want connection. We want to be felt. We want to, you know, know that like, man, you're with me. Yeah. That's intimacy, you yeah. know, into me. I see, I know what's going on in here and I'm here for it for you. Yeah. So the next thing I want to ask is, is which last point ties into is what, how can men accurately and purposefully support women and how can women support men in a healthy way? Um, yeah, and a way that men can do that is, as you said, just just being present, just being like, um, yeah. I'm with you now. All yeah. the shit I've done in my day, the hard shit, the working out, the job, like, you have my time, now you have my attention. But what are ways we can support each other? It's a great question, man. I think our our I I think the most important thing is for men to be protectors of women, and allow them to dance freely, like for them to it's be a very there. hard line that most people can't don't know how to follow. So how, how do they do that? Um, well, that's, that's a deep knowing, um, and a trust that you're going to be okay without that other person. Yeah, I think modern, modern feminism, which I have a lot of issues with, um, not that men and women are equal, but it's that when, yeah. when people, when men nowadays say, you know, I want to protect mm -hmm. or I want you to surrender in some ways, mm -hmm. it's then women are then like, it's controlling all this shit. So, which is, I understand Yeah, because men have in the shadow use that to control totally so it's like but how does that how can how can men actually healthily do that while also giving the woman freedom like how does protection and surrender how does that create more room for freedom mm. rather than what's perceived now as control and submission yeah know? i think men have to work on their shit like yeah. they got to work on their nervous system and their capacity to handle themselves and allow them to do their thing and, and i mean unraveling their stuff without needing to fix them or change them to make it comfortable because most men the manipulation the little pseudo manipulation that happens is because they're not comfortable with the fuller expression of the feminine and when she's really being herself and she's dancing and she's letting it go i see men all over the time that's just like they're constantly shushing them constantly like like shrinking them and shrinking their expression oh that comes from just freaking decades and decades and decades of suppression of the feminine yeah. within ourselves like but more so like why what are we not wanting to feel in ourselves it's more so correct. like like in that exchange of like i can't deal with your full expression and mm -hmm. then having to manipulate and control yeah what is it what in ourselves what pain are we not dealing with what's it what's it coming in ourselves is yeah. that we, we don't want to be we don't want to surrender we don't, we don't want to 
have that side of ourselves that can just yeah. be free flowing? Is that the suppression of our totally. own our own thing? Yeah, totally. I mean, we're worried about the we're worried about the rejection yeah. of others uh, by our expression of our feminine of going out and dancing. You know, I I'd, I'd go to weddings and my dad would always sit and my mom would always dance, and I saw that growing up. And so in my own marriage, I would sit and watch my wife dance, and it was because well, my dad didn't want to get rejected for looking silly, and now I'm like I'm connected to this aspect of myself that's free and flowing and I can do the thing. It might look awkward, man. I'm six, four. So when I start flailing my body, it's like, get out of the way. He's doing his thing. But I love this part of me. And so I think, I think it gets back to love of our own full expression so that we can appreciate and allow the full expression of our partners to just continue to blossom. Yeah. That's the thing I, I notice in, in men is that they're complaining like, oh, my, my girl's just been so difficult or emotional, all this stuff. And it's like, do you want her to be a man? Like, do you want her to be yeah. you? And why do men, why does a shadow of men crave the woman to be like them? Mm. Why do they need them to be just like exactly like them having, you know, stoicism, all this shit, like not making issues. Like, yeah. why do men uh, like desire that? And then when that actually happens, they don't desire it. So what, what's that about? Yeah. Well, I think it's all just because their inability to handle it and, and hold it right. Like being present and holding, holding the, uh, internal feeling of like, I can let her do this and it's going to be okay. And, and I can witness it and watch it and trust that like it's full reverence and, and in respect for me. Like, I think so many men have grown up and seen their fathers just poo poo it. And I, I would hear it from my mom, uh, from my dad. Women are um, women are emotional and men are logical. And while, yes, that's the aspect of the energetics of it, um, we're emotional too. <laughs> like like we, we have all of these things within us too. And so it, it just really comes back to embracing um, the emotions that we feel as well that we don't want to feel. Um, look, I'm logical as well. And so I, I can feel all of my partner's swell of emotions, especially during her cycle. It's just like, wow, that's, that's a lot like, holy cow, you know? And so I know there's a lot of tribes where when women would get their cycle, the women would actually go together during that time to have like this ceremony and this rebirth and the men would get together and they would dance and they would sing. And I think it's just beautiful to have a reverence of how women uh, work and to understand they're, that they're literally cycled to the universe as we are not. Yeah. And so our job is to like create these spaces so that we could have our own internal cycle, death, rebirth, yeah. winter. I mean, it happens during the seasons. We can't deny yeah. that, you know, in winter, most men go through it. You know, I'm hearing it everywhere. Men are going through it this winter. Well, women get that gift every month. And so it's like really touching base more with a higher power that's operating everybody differently to give us more wisdom. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that if you're a man and you have a female partner, they kind of, your ability to receive them and surrender, mm -hmm. not control, symbolizes your ability to do that, to that for the higher universe, the divine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing is, is when I, when I have a deeper trust and a knowing um, in God source that, that this is how everything, this is the miracle of creation. And it's so perfect. Yeah. Who am I to even fuck with it? Yeah. I'm not even going to try to shush or change 
uh, her storm or the chaos that that is what she's experiencing. Not at all. It's just an absolute appreciation, just like it is appreciation for a thunderstorm where yeah. it's like, what am I going to curse the yeah. storm? The trick like, is, like, how did you get to a place where you don't take it personally? I think that's another part that we struggle with is when someone's experiencing um, a turbulent yeah. moment in their life that yeah. it goes both ways where the person experiencing it and then projects it out blames for sure but even if they don't the other person can then take it personally like my wounding was that uh as a kid I, my mom was various mental health issues mm-hmm. and i always felt like it was it was me that, like mm-hmm. i was doing it right for so then sure. that would then of course partners would come that were emotional and then wouldn't talk about it and i'd always yeah. be like fuck, what did i do yeah you know and i take their like expression of being like, fuck man i fucked up so mm-hmm. how did you how did you, did you ever, were you ever there and how did you move towards not like needing to feel like you were part of the problem? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, in, in many times in the relationship, I would do some pseudo manipulation where, um, I would say some things to, uh, suppress her or to, and, and all it was, was I, I didn't feel totally safe with her fullness. And that could be when she just started her Instagram and she was becoming this feminine embodiment coach and she was moving her body in just such a sexy way and wearing these clothes where I was just like, oh no, what is it? All these guys, what is my mom going to, all these things started coming up where it it was, it was a me thing. And, um, it was, a how am I going to handle other people's judgments of you just being you? And really, I had to look at my own shit because it was a projection of me worrying about what people were going to think in my yeah. fullness. So I just kept coming back to me, which was where am I not shining and her shining is triggering me. And that, and, and ultimately, it just comes back for me taking responsibility of where I'm not showing up. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. So I'm I'm like you where I'm, I'm pretty against uh, the whole constant boundaries in the self-help world like whenever you someone feels discomfort it's like boundary like don't don't do this for me so mm-hmm. i hear you i'm more so on like the freedom way like yeah do what you got to do and it's on me as a man to be able to handle my way of dealing with it and not project it to you yeah. however what's the line like for you when is the line of being like okay this this shit like i can't this shit can't happen like, is there ever can you ever do that like what's that line of of balancing like okay we both have freedom in our union union ship mm-hmm. And also being like, okay, this, I don't know if this can work for us. Yeah, How absolutely. How do you navigate that, that dance? Yeah, I mean, discernment is is something that I continue to come back to where um, there's, you know, there's there's some things or some instances where she might have friends or, or people that um, may engage in drugs or may engage in um, parties that uh, isn't really, that's not how I roll. Yeah. And it's like being okay with, me trusting her that the way that she navigates that is going to be an integrity with who she says that she is. And so it really comes back to like a deep trust of, I have to allow this experience to happen and discernment of if something's wonky or she's doing something wonky that doesn't feel in alignment with who I want to be, I get to address it and we get to move through it versus don't do that because I don't like that. How, how do you go about that dance? It's, it's probably all in communication, but mm-hmm. maybe like give an example and say how you would go about that in a, in a healthy way. Cause mo- as you say, most times it'd be like, Oh, okay. For example, your woman is put on mm-hmm. very 
provocative dress and she's sure. going to a party and people are doing drugs. She's like, for sure. Whoa, like, don't fucking wear that shit. You're not yeah. going out, right? That's what, like, the right, reactive right, right. man would do. What's a yeah. more healthy way of navigating a situation like that or others where yeah. you feel like, okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, I mean, a great example is each month I go back to visit my daughters in Illinois. So I'm a, I'm a single dad. I've got two beautiful daughters. So every, each and every month I go back, visit my kids, and she's got a week where she gets to do whatever she wants. Usually that whatever she wants is going out dancing. Yeah. And she'll grab her girls, they'll go out dancing, they'll go plug into the city, and they'll just go dance for like four or five hours. She is a dancer. Yeah. I can't keep up with her. <laughs> and I love that she thinks that, you know, I can, but I don't even try. Like, we'll go dancing, but four or five hours, man, she's going in. And she's a beautiful woman, so she's going to attract a lot of attention. Yeah. But I also have seen and I also know, like, A, I can't stop a man from coming up to her. Yeah. That's uh, that's reality. Yeah. Okay, so I got to get really comfortable with the fact that men are going to flock over to a woman that's really, you know, shining this way. I got to be cool with that. Two, I got to be cool and trust her response. How is she handling it? There was times where she may have manipulated men for a drink yeah. knowing like oh i'll get a drink and I'll, I'll i'll play along with this conversation for 20 30 minutes and then i'll dismiss him thanks for a drink just so you know guys that's like that's the move <laughs> hello <laughs> um but then when she got sober because i expressed to her um she would tell me these things and i said hey, look you know there's 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 something happening there that doesn't feel good to me and I want you to check in to see if it feels good for you because you're like, what was your intention with getting this gift? Like, is it because you're coming from scarcity? Is it becoming from you don't have, you know, you don't believe that you have the money to provide for yourself to get this drink? Or is it this just an old pattern of using men to get this and then just dismissing them? Because that didn't feel good to me. And once she caught it and I said, you know, my preference would be for you not to get engage in that kind of behavior. Does that feel good to you? And she would admit like, yeah, I'm, I'm recognizing that doesn't feel good to me. And that's definitely kind of an old paradigm. So I'm going to shed that. And so that's just like an example. And, and now when she goes out and she does her four hour dance, I have even more trust because I know when that opportunity arises which it constantly does she's gonna say no i'm sober i'm just dancing with the girls yeah. and they just carry on yeah what what if moments where they're they're like no look, i'm still doing the shit i don't care what you have been in that situation where it's like i hear you but i want to keep doing this and then it's on you to then be like oh, yeah i have to deal with this trigger or yeah when's it time to be like right, i'm not fucking doing Man, this that's anymore a, that's a great question i think the time is when you know like um you know it i i what I like to say is to set a timeline, um, just just to close the gap and say, let's just say three months. I'm going to allow this for three months to happen to see if maybe it's going to get worse for some three months. Yeah. Damn, it's a long time. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I've, I've been in a relationship yeah. for a long time. It depends where you're at. Yeah. I think if you're, you know, just started dating somebody and this is their behavior. If you really love someone and, like, you know that they're your person. It's like, this is coming up for a reason, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and to give them the opportunity for them to kind of experience that, to maybe, like, get sick of it. But I think if I was just dating somebody right out of the gates and that was, like, their common behavior and I expressed to them that that's, you know, that's that doesn't feel good for me. And they were just like, well, that's never going to change. Yeah. I, I think that would be something that I wasn't cool with. Yeah. And, and I think that's okay. Like that's just a line for me that I'm not comfortable with. You don't seem like you want to have any flex 
in it, you know, if there's no flex whatsoever, yeah. well, then the relationships aren't about rigidity. They're about pliability. Yeah. It's like, how much can you feel into how much this is important for me? And are you willing to make some, you know, ba these are baby sacrifices, yeah. you know, like, but the, there's something ego intrinsically evolved that's giving them a little bit of validation that the relationship isn't giving them for them to still be getting that drink. And so there has to be an awareness of like, yo, they're leaking their energy everywhere and you're not going to ever be it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What, what's implicit there is that you're basically telling, not fixing them, but you're saying you're making them aware of something and then you're saying, hey, it's kind of on you to realize if you want to take this road mm -hmm. and if you can do it. Because what I've noticed, number one thing is you, you can't fix your family, you can't fix your partner. Right. Yeah. I just noticed that the hard way many, many yeah. times. And an example is that uh, there's so many issues my ex and I had mm. that I knew me as someone who's in the, this, this space understands various things, my education, yada, yada, where I was like, I know what you could do to fix this shit. I'd give her a blueprint, say, do all this shit. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And then never do it. And we sure. split up and then... She calls me and she's like, oh, I'm doing all this work, all this stuff that you told me about. I'm finally doing it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. the minute we're apart, so it's so, so interesting that even someone who's as effective as a coach or who knows this stuff, that if you're in a relationship, you really can't. Like, there's some energy where you just can't. It's hard to fix them. You know, we're just like, they're kind of yeah. like, uh, they don't want to do that. And they receive it in the wrong way. So the way you're yeah. doing it is correct is in that you're kind of inviting them to agree to a new path mm -hmm. and I'm saying hey it's on you to take this yeah I'm here to support you not saying like this is a path and you have to take it and you have to do it my way yeah. yeah and there's a fine line of like staying too long and actually enabling the behavior yeah. because if there's a codependency or an anxious attachment there which so many people have where it's just like oh i just i love this person i want to be in relationships so much i don't want to feel the fear of rejection so i'm going to allow this even though i'm going to yeah. then build up this resentment it actually enables that behavior because that person's just like oh well i got him on this yeah. and it doesn't give them the opportunity to move to the next level yeah. and that's usually what breakups do is allow the inner reflection to say where was i not showing up yeah. right and in your case it sounds like it was an invitation for her to say ah shit yeah like here's this framework why wasn't i looking at it but yeah. not always in relationship is the framework going to yeah. be followed sometimes we have to do it alone yeah that resentment could be so powerful especially in men where i i go to, i used to go to men's groups and and uh, i would notice like the angriest men are the ones who we're in fucked up relationships. Mm -hmm. There's so much, so much. There's always like a, a, a mean baby mama or a, a woman who doesn't respect them. Like there's always just like so much resentment when we're in relationships where we don't, we don't feel seen. Yeah. Is that like a, how often do you see that in, in your work, doing men's, men's work, all that kind Absolutely of stuff? Absolutely all of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think men make these, you know, uh, coerce agreements where, and, and I did it in my marriage where it'd be a simple thing. Like, you know, when I get home from from a 14-hour day, all I want to do is, like, not have to put the dishes in the dishwasher, right? And But I wouldn't express it. I would come home. I would see the dishes out. I would see the dishwasher empty, and I'd start to boil. And that boiling would just continue to go and go and go and go until it turned into an explosion. And a lot of that was just the inability to move through uncomfortable conversations and expressing what I needed. Yeah. 
at the root of all of this is men have a very difficult time not only connecting to what they need, but expressing what they need. Hey, look, I need a clean home when I come home. It's, it's not like a massive request and it's not chauvinistic to say like it really feels so good when I come home and everything's just like in order um, in just these couple ways. Like it's just a really important thing to me. Is there any way that you could potentially honor that? As soon as I ask it, it's met. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that that was your thing. Okay, cool, yeah, I'm happy to do that. And so now my partner knows when I come in from out of town, I just don't wanna go and have to clean dirty dishes. I felt like I was cleaning up behind two children for an entire week. I don't wanna come home and clean up after her. Can you tidy up your shit? And she's just like, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh my God, I am I love you so much. Let me do this for you in this way. Like that's the beauty of relations when we meet each other's needs, but we gotta express them, not from the space of resentment. You'd never do the dishes. It's like, well, you never asked. Yeah, what I noticed in that is like the way you show up as a man getting that respect and, and surrendering by your, your, your woman that why do men find themselves, I think, actually reframe it, I think men find themselves in the opposite space where they ask for things, mm. things from their partner and they're just not getting them and they feel masculine, all these things because they're just not, it's not that it's the woman most mm -hmm. of the time. Sometimes it is, but it's more so exactly as you say. Yeah. They're not, first off, in integrity enough to get that respect and totally. two, they're not communicating well enough to get that yeah. way. Is it, yeah. it's, also, it's also true for you in your own experience? Yeah, I mean, it's coming from a demand yeah. versus, and, and it's likely that she isn't expressing what she needs because she doesn't feel safe in him, yeah. you know? And if he's um, if he's really wounded and reactive as, as she expressed her needs, he may shut them down. Like, well, yeah. I do all these other things. I'm always working and doing yeah. these, you know, that's not being with her needs. Right. So it, it's it takes two to tango. So like it's our ability to be with her need and sometimes ask her, hey, honey, is there anything that you need for me? And I do this all the time. Is there anything that you need? You know, anything at all? Do you need a back rub? Do you need a massage? Do you want me to clean up? Like I've got a little bit of space. Is there anything that you need? And then she feels that I'm with her like because I'm so on purpose. I'm so driven. But I have to to anchor back into us. Like, how can I show up for us too as I show up for the rest of the world? Yeah. What are ways a man, what are ways that a man can become a safe container for the woman around him? Yeah, to work on their shit. Yeah, to really um, create a lot of space, um, to find community, to find other brothers that are speaking the language um, that resonates to their soul that says like, hey, look, you know, I've got some things here. I've got some anger that's been passed down that I witnessed and it doesn't feel good. I think finding community and safety and, and belonging in a space like that is first and foremost, especially in relationship. Our partners aren't our therapists. So to continue to go to them and use them as mommy is, it's gross, it just is. Like I think there's a, a time and a place for our partners to hold space for us, but always no. So finding a therapy, finding a community of men, and then exploring in the personal development space. Like yeah. just just reading some books and getting out there and, and dabbling the, the foot in there and harmonizing in nature. Well, let's unpack the mommy bit a bit. bit. What are ways that men beyond just the, the the most popular ways that we imagine it be mm -hmm. what are ways men use women or their female partners as as mommy in a way mm -hmm. how does that show up energetically mostly or how does that come up in relationships 
Yeah, that comes up in their inability to nourish themselves, really. Um, most men, you know, don't take great care of themselves. So there's like a deep abandonment and neglect of their own wounds or, or their own self-care. It Like even from like an Epsom salt bath, like yeah. how good that is for the body or a massage or a manicure or getting a facial or any of these things to tend to the physical vessel because they haven't done the work to explore that for themselves, they just look into their partner to take care of it all for them. So they drop this big, heavy load, which feels like, mommy, I'm inadequate, take care of me, like a little child. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing for myself, you know, just help, like take care of me. And um, there's a lot of women that scoop that up yeah. where it's just like, oh, well, he needs me, I've got him, right? And so like, there can be a big distortion in the codependency for that. I mean, I think that's the, I think the root of all codependency is a complete neglect of self-care. Yeah. And so I think it, it goes back to us connecting to like our needs, mental, yeah. physical, and spiritual well-being so that we show up with a full cup in relationship yeah. versus depleted, please fill me. And what's so key in that is learning how to regulate yourself. Yeah. Right. As a man is that, uh... We're all going to face triggers, right? Especially if you have mm -hmm. experience like me. I, ha I had a distant mom growing up, super distant. All love to her. Um, mm -hmm. And what changed me was both learning how to regulate myself and knowing that I can go inwards. That yeah. once the triggers come up, let's say a partner is, is being distant and that's not them being an ass or anything different. Mm -hmm. It's just that I take it as an invitation mm -hmm. to then like regulate myself and mm -hmm. get used to going within. Yeah. And for me, it's been just like, it sounds simple, but it truly is a game changer. And it's hard for men, especially, because you have to lose sense of control to get there. You have to mm -hmm. be like, I have, okay, this sensation's coming up. She's doing her own thing. Yeah. I, our instinct as a man is to go, I have to control her in a way to not release this. Yeah. So the key is then becoming in a way of, okay, I have to get used to feeling the sensation. I mm. have to not have any fear in, in, in doing that. That's yeah. How, how often is that a common theme in, in your work and telling people, hey, man, like, you got to feel this. You got to you got to be with this. You can't blame anyone else. You got to feel these triggers all the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the first thing that I tell men is to create a non-negotiable self self care practice that includes meditation and being with your stuff. And and there's even like a little sub branch of that, which is a feminine cleanse. Which I believe that it's important to walk away from your relationship at some point. Go into the wilderness. Go with men. Go on a hike by yourself for hours, just to really connect back to your north pole. Like like what is going on. You know, what, what is she, what is she, uh, showing to you? Cause I always say triggers are actually just revelations of what's already there. And it's freeing when it's like that person didn't cause it. This is just an invitation for me to recognize that there's some abandonment stuff in there. So when she starts to go and do this, it's just showing to me that I still have some fear in yeah. there of being left. So let me go and, and be with that. Like, yeah scream to the scream to the mountains like why um, however it may look to feel into that where it's like oh okay that person didn't cause this this is just my this is my stuff yeah, there's it, something freeing there yeah. in that is getting to a place where you can recognize that voice of clarity within mm -hmm. which is a, a hard journey yeah what was it like for you and how do you recommend people to start getting familiar with that voice with the intuition yeah well i think you know i always say that the the, the voice is like a phone that's always ringing. It's literally always ringing. 
and we hear it, but there's so much other information that comes in, social media, voices, friends. Um, in, in order to actually hear the voice, need to sit in silence, like with a candle in silence, no other voices to really connect back to that voice that's on the heart. Because when, when we create all quietness and stillness and remove information, then that voice that's ringing that phone, it becomes a lot louder. And it's like, oh, okay, I hear it now and I can trust it because it's, it's always whispering. Like, hey, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Is this the life that you want? Is this the partner that you want? Is this the chaos that you want? And then when, you know, we sit in meditation or it doesn't even need to be meditation. It could be out in nature on the top of a hill with no distractions for an hour just to listen. I believe that it becomes more and more clear, yeah. but I believe that it needs to be a practice. Yeah, For me, it's getting to a space where my heart is open. The minute that even be, you know, watching a movie that has this moment where it's like a heart, your heart opens. It's like yeah. when that moment happens for me, it's like bang! I always receive some so something, good. something. Yeah. It's like for me, it's like this. It's not yeah. Your brain's a portal in some way. For me, it's that when the heart is is truly awake, it's like like this real yeah real information, a combination of your own intuition, also some guidance. Mm -hmm. just bang! Boom! Bang, comes in. It's that yeah. Which again, it's it's. When it's easier for men, it's hard to... Cause men won't think that, oh, if I actually feel love, I'll get mm -hmm. good ideas. It's much more like, oh, I need to control and think yeah. right. So Yeah, for me, it's song, man. Um, I feel my heart open when I'm singing. Yeah. And I'm never used to sing. And, and so I'll just, uh, I'll kind of sing or I've been starting to write some songs That's... and just make a little rattle. And I just feel my heart open where I just, I really feel like that's a deep connection to the portal of our heart and all the messages and wisdom and joy that's in there for us. Yeah. 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 What are, what are other ways we can <clears throat> activate the heart? They're singing, there's uh, meditation. Dancing. The best way is, this is actually probably why I started this question, but you kind of have to let your heart get broken mm. to to allow it to break open. Yeah. Like I couldn't really feel my heart until I went through serious trauma. Mm. That Same. There, there's some kind of like, it's, it's weird. Again, this universe is fucked up laws, but it's like yeah. uh, you actually have to let it get beaten down a bit yeah. for it to open. Why is that? Yeah, Rumi said that, right? Like you need to, you need to, the heart needs to crack in order for the light to be let in. And, you know, I've, I've, um, I've danced with this question a lot because if I look back, I'm like, could I have avoided all the, could it have been an easier path? Like, um, did I have to go through all of that suffering? And I believe the answer was yes. And I, I think, I think a lot of it is because we come into this experience, we're stacked with so many beliefs, we're stacked with so many, um, trials and tribulations and so much hurt and so much pain without the tools as children to unpack them. So I think we begin to close our heart when we're really little. Um, you know, kids, just their hearts are wide open. They're chasing butterflies. They're singing. They're dancing. Yeah. There's, And then there's something that comes along that just suppresses that. And it's very visceral and that's like the beginning. And then another experience happens and it suppresses it. And so I, I believe like the entire journey that we're on is to be able to um, get to this experience that awakens our heart. And it seems like for the amount of tribulations that we go through, the uh, experience that has to break it open has to also match the amount of 
pain yeah. that we went through for it. Like it has to be so great that it completely breaks the entire shell of the heart yeah. to allow the light open for us to then be able to see the beauty and um, of the entire process. I don't know if the experience is similar for you, but whenever I'm having a tough day or a tough couple of days where mm -hmm. I feel like, man, I feel something's different. Yeah. I'm doing all the same shit. Mm -hmm. I've done enough shadow work where I know it's not some like super intense trauma coming yeah. up where for me it's I'm getting broken down into something. Like I know yeah. in the next day or two, yeah. something is gonna fucking come that I have to know. And always mm. always it's like a whoa, okay, that's why I had to fucking experience those two days of feeling like yeah. shit. Like, whoa. Yeah. I had to know that. I don't know if that's similar for you or all the time, yeah. man. I just went through one where well, this what happened. Uh my mom is really sick. And yeah, she's um, she's been over medicated. She had cancer. She had a nervous breakdown. She went. She broke her hip. I mean, she went. She's going through it, man. Yeah. And so, in the current moment, she's a shell of who she was. And for me, you know, having all these incredible tools and just a big, massive open heart, I want nothing more than to to heal my mom. Yeah. You know, that's like the deepest core um, thing that I wish for my mom is to see her. Um, be able to have some peace and I can't give that to her and it's been a really tough journey man and um, it's not like death in that it's happened and she's no longer physically here it's kind of like an everyday death where she's here but she's not and so uh, creating space to grieve that has been really challenging because it doesn't go away right like she's she's continuing to be here and so I've, I've felt a heaviness, kind of like a hopelessness, um, a loss of purpose and a loss of, um, you know, connection. And um, I recognize like this is going to be a, you know, it's winter too. So I'm like, okay, I'm going through a little bit of a death. Um, and, and the death is, you know, the, the, the mourning of the mom that I had, um, who had a lot of life and joy in her and, and that's okay. Um, and so, what it's really been for me is is been really celebrating the things that I that I had with her yeah. and like rather than focusing on where she's at and really, you know, I, I think it's important because I don't want to bypass it and I don't want to bypass the grief. But I'm also putting my attention more on what I did have with her, which was a beautiful dance and, and a lot of song and a lot of celebration. And I was called to the jungle. So I literally just, I'm fresh off the jungle, man. And I just had a really deep, uh, profound healing experience of, of song, of connection to the land and very clean diet. And, and I feel rebirth. I really do. Like I feel a new, a new sense of purpose uh, in, in ability to show up again. Um, but I had to listen to the cues and the calls and like, no, like it, I was in it, man. I was in it. And even when you reached out for the podcast, I'm like, I don't know that I want to show up yeah. in the, in the way that I am right now because I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting and, and that's okay. Yeah. Like I'll show up when I'm hurt too, yeah. uh, but it doesn't feel good. So I, I really like to honor those chapters when they happen. Sometimes they're two days, right? And then sometimes they're two months, but I always know like, oh shit, I'm in it. And when I get out of it, I'm not going to be the same yeah. and I'm going to feel more alive. Yeah, I connect with you so much on the aspect of of knowing you have the, the power intuitively and uh, intellectually to help someone, your mom. Yeah. I was in the same space where I'm not as, as skilled as you are in coaching, but I know enough and I've done enough education to have enough mentors to know what, what how to heal someone. Sure. And 
I, I was looking at my mom in the hospital bed, just like, looking at, reading her body, reading mm. parts. I knew what was going on. The doctor didn't know. I was like, yeah. then I knew what to do. But then something told me in that moment, this is her experience. She, yeah. it's, her, it's her time. I was the only one who knew. I was like, she's leaving. I, I knew in my heart, it was like, yeah. she's leaving and I can't do anything. Yeah. I, I, all, no matter what the fuck I know, yeah. uh, in the hospital, I was like, she, she's going. This is her yeah. time. Her spirit is, is, wants right. to go to the next evolution. And just accepting that, like, I have fucking no control. The yeah. One person I want to help the most, yeah. I have no fucking control over. So my yeah. heart goes out to you, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's a... Thank you. It's a probably the toughest experience I've had. It yeah. is, yeah. And the message that came through for me, man, that, that I really, I still find a lot of peace in is that what I can do is pray for her. Yeah. Like, I can continue to pray for her and pray over her and celebrate her entire life yeah. and, and that feels good because like i can do that because i was lost i was like i don't know what to do yeah. i can't you know tell her to say affirmations or any of this shit like she's not with us and so um i've been praying hard man and it feels really good like mm -hmm. my heart feels restored to be able to have that connection yeah. to her through that way yeah i think another component to masculinity that i've learned through this experience is that Yes, okay. I, I'm not denying that it's okay to break down sometimes. Mm -hmm. However, if you have responsibilities, you have kids, yeah. partner, job, that there is a way to have a duality of being present with the feeling of, of brokenness mm -hmm. and really being with it while also going about your day, yeah. going about being a good parent, going about being a good partner, that yeah. people either go to one extreme, either completely break down, become a victim, and go, I don't want anything to do with this, mm -hmm. or they deny, they deny and go straight to all that stuff. So yeah. um, maybe talk a little bit about how you got to that place where you could be with the brokenness and also show up for your for the people you love and yourself in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And and I do that often. And I think it comes back to me understanding my body, right? When I go back to my stomach where it's just like, I don't know what's going on. And I'll express that to my friends sometimes where I'm like because I'm, I'm very jovial and, and outgoing, but I'm also, I'm a cancer, so I like to go into my shell and hermit too. And so when friends or even my coaching clients, you know, I'll express to them first and foremost, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going through some, some things and I'll express to them where I feel it. I feel my heart's heavy. And I'm not totally sure, I haven't pinned it yet, but I'm paying attention to the cues and, and looking at it and I'll still show up in that place. And what I find is that when I express that and I don't deny that, it opens them up to feeling safe to share what they're going through. Yeah. It always happens, man, without fail. My, my heart's heavy or I've got some something in my in my stomach. I'm kind of sick. I'm, I'm sick seeing this in the community or I'm sick uh, because I just heard you know, a friend was out of integrity and, and like, I'm just, I'm angry. And so like, while I know we made plans, I might not be able to, uh, you know, stick to them. And, and I think what I need rather than going out to dinner with you is maybe we just hang out at your house and play guitar. And like, I need a big fucking hug right now. Cause I'm, I'm in it. And so like, I think it's really important of being able to redirect how I was going to show up and also ask for what I need. Um, versus just completely over, cause I used to override it, man. Yeah. Like, so I hear what you're saying and I think it's important to then, you know, uh, be able to have incredible friends that get to show up for us in this yeah. space, yeah. but still lean into it. You yeah. know, like I know we had plans. We were going to go to steakhouse and we were going to do this whole thing. I still want to see you, but it just needs to be in a different way. Can you, can you hold that for me? Yeah. I'm not going to be dumping on you. I just want to be with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, making me feel a certain way, reflecting the way I handle things. Cause for me, mm -hmm. I can, I can be that stoic 
Sure. Iron Man. Sure. I, I do think it has its place sometimes. Sure. And often it can also maybe like borderline kill me. So sure. <laughs> there, there, there's a line. So when I when I when I was going through that, I I didn't do that. I was very mm. much like I'll handle when I have time alone, I'll handle all this. But sure. when I'm with someone, yeah. I'm gonna do my best just to remain that way. But I yeah. think it wasn't because it was the healthy way, it was because I didn't I didn't have enough trusting relationships and people mm. like male friends that i know could handle that yeah like, it takes a real fucking man to say hey big time i'm going through this i need you. i don't need you to fix it but i just need you to like just be with me a bit like do something i want today like you know maybe that means yeah. like shooting a hoop or something yeah. with, like love that i just i didn't have those yeah those um thankfully i made it through all right but it's it, yeah. it does come down to also having those people around you you know when they hear that can be like oh fuck you know no, no problem at all right mm -hmm. Cause i see a woman right mm -hmm. any woman no matter if you're awake or not yeah no matter who the fuck you are in the level of, of the path yeah. Any woman can go to their friends and say, "Hey, I'm just fucking happening," and then right. hugs, kisses. Yeah. Like, God, you hear is this some soup? Yeah. But man, it's it's hard until you find like the awakened man. It's that's why it frustrates me is that yeah, normal, you know, blue collar or like any other man, high mm -hmm. high working, successful, they can't give you that space. And it's, yeah. it's frustrating to me is that you need men like us who can do it. And it's so fucking rare. Yeah. That that's why so many men are struggling. It is, man, and that's why that's exactly why I set out on a mission to find that, right? Like I I I knew that that had to exist. There had to be men that were able to um operate differently that weren't coming from um, I'm going to keep churning through this shit like it's okay. No, I'm not fucking okay. I'm I'm literally, you know, considering suicide yeah. and I'll have my friends say that to me too, like, Wayne, I thought I was okay, but I'm having all of these fucking thoughts and, you know, I don't know what I need. And, you know, like we, we navigate that together. And I think it's really beautiful because this journey isn't always about always being okay. I mean, the human experience is really fucking wild and tough. And so I can be on the highest high and a month later for no reason feel the lowest low. And um, what I've recognized is the more I extend myself to my brothers and invite them into that space, the more it gives them permission to do the exact same thing when they're going through it. Because yeah. I get to be the role model of how in my friendships I feel cohesion. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I never thought about that. I've thought about it that way. That by you opening up mm -hmm. and being vulnerable, it's actually an act of hero uh, heroism because you then give people the space to open up for themselves, potentially saving them from their pain in that way. It's just, just a small act by saying, especially as a man, hey, I feel this way, and then the other man can go, oh fuck, you know, I I, I yeah. feel that way too. You're giving people the space to to heal. Yeah, I mean, look, we're all looking for how to be like, yeah. like, especially men, we're looking for how to operate that feels better. What we're seeing exhibited to us out there isn't working. Yeah. It's clearly not working. Everybody's, you know, on drugs or they're, um, you know, on antidepressants. And yeah. so like the suppression of that stuff is clearly creating the biggest suicide rate in yeah. men that we've ever seen. And I know it because I experienced it. I know that terrain extremely well. And so all I can do is navigate what works best for me with the hope that maybe it will shine some light for another person and give them permission to navigate that space a little bit differently yeah. and extend their arm out. Like there's something so special, Lucas, that happens when I extend my arm out when I don't want to and I'm afraid to because there's this little bit of hint of will I be rejected. Every time I put my hand out, man, I am pulled out of that tunnel yeah. and I am held and hold. It's like, thank you. I'm so glad I put my arm out. That's all I needed to do. Yeah. So powerful note to, to end right here is that, you know, please 
put your hand out, ask for help, whether it be from, from God, from people around you, because not only will it save your life, it'll actually save mm-hmm. others because by them seeing you doing that, they'll do it too. Absolutely. So, so thank you so much for coming on, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely.